Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. You're listening to the Television Archive, the show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved media. My name is Thomas Clark, and this is Avatar The Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra. My brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe... Aang can save the world. Today, we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender, Season 3, Episode 16, titled The Southern Raiders. Okay, I have been waiting a very, very long time, quite eagerly, to get to this episode. This has been, of all the episodes of Avatar The Last Airbender I've wanted to rewatch, this has been one of my most anticipated of this series. Because to say that this is one of my favorite episodes of this entire show would be the biggest understatement of all time. This episode is extraordinary. This episode is otherworldly incredible. It is absolute perfection, even by Avatar standards. It is just mind-blowing. It is one of the greatest character pieces of all of Avatar. It is one of the greatest stories of all of Avatar. It's just incredible. It is just 100% perfect. Throughout every single little frame. In fact, I'm going to make a bold statement. Let's for a second just remove all major arcs from the conversation and just talk in terms of one-offs. So, stuff like Day of Black Sun, Siege of the North, Sozin's Comet, which I will say is continuing to be my favorite of the entire series. That four-episode arc collectively is my favorite episode of Avatar. Let's just remove all of those from the conversation. This is the best one-off episode of Avatar. No question in my mind. Some people say it's the storm. Some people say it's Zuko alone. Those seem to be the two top contenders a lot of the time, but... Oh no! I submit to you that the big one-off masterpiece, the best one-off Avatar episode of this entire run is indeed the Southern Raiders. And I will make my case right now. This episode's a masterpiece. I could go on about it for like an hour and a half. I probably won't, though, because we don't have that kind of time. But 
I could. If I wanted to. I really could. <laughs> I could spend an hour and a half talking about a 22-minute episode. It's in my power. But I will restrain myself. Hopefully. For the purposes of this podcast. Let's just talk generally for a moment about Katara's arc in this episode. It's beautiful. It's poetic. It's absolute perfection. It's just extraordinary. Like, the whole idea, the whole backstory of Katara and Sokka losing their mother, and Katara being especially traumatized by that, especially angry about that. That has been something that's been mentioned over and 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 over again for the entirety of this show. But aside from a couple of subplots involving the necklace and mentioning it to Zuko in the Crossroads of Destiny, which was done brilliantly, by the way, nothing wrong with either of those elements. Aside from those... We haven't really gotten many, we haven't really gotten any, actually, arcs about Katara's rage, about Katara's sorrow with having lost her mother. We haven't really gotten anything about that. It's just been about either the necklace or part of a larger story, like with Crossroads of Destiny. And oh my god, the way this episode ties into Crossroads of Destiny. Ugh, it's so perfect. Now, it's front and center. Now, for the first time in this show, Katara's rage and anger and sorrow over losing her mother is, like, right at the forefront. We get an entire episode just about that. She goes on her own field trip with Zuko, because we are in the field trips with Zuko portion of this series. Last one, though. Last one. And it's extraordinary. They tackle Katara's very complicated emotions about that event in her life. About that defining moment of her history, of her development. They tackle it so perfectly. And she kind of goes through this episode like... Dealing with this rage. Coming to terms with this rage. And trying to... First let it out. And then control it. And it's really... Really phenomenal. It's one of the most human arcs. Hell, it's the most human arc. Of this entire show. I love it. I love it so much. So we start off the episode itself. Opening sequence. We're still at the Western Air Temple. Western Air Temple's nice. It's quiet. Suki, Hakoda, and Chitsang are all there from the Boiling Rock. Everything's great. Everything's awesome. It's all real good. And then Azula attacks. (laughs) And then it all goes to shit immediately. And I'm just going to say this. They never explicitly say it, but I'm gonna go ahead and assume that Azula found them because of the whole Boiling Rock deal. I'm gonna go ahead and assume that because Sokka and Zuko literally stole an airship 
while escaping from the boiling rock, that that's probably how they found them. That wasn't exactly low profile. But that's neither here nor there. So, this attack starts. And, like, Zuko immediately, like, saves Katara from being crushed by falling rocks. And Katara's like, yeah, okay, you saved me. Go away now. Like, she's still pissed at him from all the stuff that happened in Crossroads of Destiny. She still refuses to trust him from all the stuff that happened back in Ba Sing Se. For good reason, I might add. I kind of understand Katara's lack of willingness to trust Zuka. And then, of course, everyone tries to escape. They form that little tunnel deal. And then Zuko's like, yeah, you know what? This is probably a family visit. I'm just going to go ahead and fight this entire fleet of airships by myself. You guys go. So they're doing this big escape while Zuko's fighting Azula. And by the way, the fight between Zuko and Azula here is great. It's absolutely fantastic. And because Appa refuses to go into tunnels, he hates it. Aang's like, yeah, this isn't going to work. We got to fly off on Appa. And then Sokka makes the executive decision that they need to split up. And who doesn't go with? Sokka, Aang, Toph, Katara, and Zuko. Hakoda. Right off the bat, Katara is being separated from her family again. She literally just got her dad back after Sokka went to the Boiling Rock. And now... They are having to separate once again. They have to be apart from one another once again. So already, right at the beginning, in this seemingly unrelated opening sequence, Katara is being confronted with the loss of a parent for like the umpteenth time. And this just fuels her rage about... Her mother, about how she has spent the biggest parts of her life without parents. With a mother who's dead and a father who keeps being separated from her. And I think it's amazing that, like, Sokka also displayed the maturity to be like, yeah, you gotta leave. You gotta go. Sokka understands, okay, A, Appa can't carry all these people. B, this other group of fugitives from the Fire Nation needs a strong leader. Therefore, Sokka lets go of Hakoda, of Hakoda to... Allow everyone to escape. And allow everyone to have a chance. 
at surviving this Fire Nation onslaught. It's really, it's an amazing character decision on his part, while also sort of setting the stage for Katara's anger, Katara's rage, Katara's sorrow, the emotions she has to deal with in this episode. So already, we have had amazingly subtle character moments, especially for Katara, that set up perfectly her entire inner conflict, her entire inner turmoil throughout the Southern Raiders episode. And we haven't even gotten to the main story yet. We haven't even gotten to the main plot of this episode. And already it's extraordinary from a character perspective. So, of course, they all separate. Uh, Sokka, Katara, Aang, Toph, Suki, Zuko... They all go off on Appa, everyone else, Chitsang, Hakoda, uh, Teo, Haru, the Duke, they all go on the stolen airship. They're able to charge out of there. Uh, while Zuko's fighting Azula, they get him. While Zuko is falling with Azula, by the way. I should mention that. Zuko and Azula literally fall off the airship. <laughs> After colliding with their fire. And they fall off the airship. Zuko gets saved by Appa. And then there's this this amazing moment. Where Zuko's like, she's not going to make it. And then Azula does her little fire jet boots thing. To get to the wall of the cliff. And he's like, of course she did. Like it's this moment of almost brief concern. On the part of Zuko for his sister. Like concern and shock. And then as soon as he realizes Azula is going to be okay. He reverts back to the typical stance of. Azula's a monster. She's crazy. I hate her. She's everything I don't want to be. She's everything I despise about our family. He's just like. Of course she did. Of course she's alive. Of course we still have to deal with her. Like, it's concern followed by, followed by annoyance. It's almost like he couldn't have won either way. He couldn't have felt good about himself either way. Either A, his sister's dead, or B, the crazy bitch who's trying to murder him is okay. Those are the two options. Sister's dead, or crazy bitch who's trying to murder him and his friends is okay. There's no good outcome there. There's no good emotional outcome for Zuko in that sense. Uh, And then, of course, they find a new area. They set up a campsite. Aang kind of remarks that, like, oh, camping, it really feels like old times again. And Zuko's like, well, if you really want it to feel like old times, I could hunt you down and try to capture you for a little while. And everyone finds this funny, except for Katara. Who still hate Zuko. Because she trusted him before. And it blew up in their faces. Everyone is like cheers in Zuko. They're celebrating Zuko. Oh my god. Zuko's our hero. Yay. 
And then Katara just walks off. What's with her? I wish I knew. What the, what's with him? <laughs> like, this is the brilliance of Avatar. They managed to give me an emotional gut punch and a hilarious comedic bit at the same time, and it just works. So then, Katara just goes on this whole outburst at Zuko. Just yells at him. Rips into him. So heavily, as Zuko's just trying to understand, why do you still hate me? Why do you refuse to trust me? Why is everyone else on my side now, while you're just assuming the worst? And Katara lights into him, lights into him vocalizes the anger that she has at him specifically for the siege of Ba Sing Se, for the capturing of Ba Sing Se. Because, like, there was a vulnerable moment where Katara trusted him. Katara trusted Zuko for, like, two minutes. And immediately he betrayed her. Immediately he he betrayed everyone. Immediately. Immediately, immediately, immediately. It blew up in their faces and in the faces of the entire world. So... Yeah. Kind of understandable that Katara would be so resistant to the idea that Zuko's changed for realsies this time. So, she lights up, she, like, she lights into him. She just lays into him so heavily. And she's like, when Zuko asks what he can do, she's like, oh, I don't know. You can reclaim Bossing Say in the name of the Earth King. Or you could bring my mother back. Now, this resonates with Zuko. Zuko responds to this in a very fantastic way. For multiple reasons. So, first off, and Zuko says as much to Sokka, which we'll get to that. Katara has, for some reason, related her anger about her mother to her anger at him. Which, when you think about the events of the Crossroads of Destiny... Makes perfect sense. When you think about the events of that particular episode, (laughs) it makes perfect sense. Katara related to Zuko about her mother being killed by the Fire Nation. And she had this tender moment with Zuko where they both talked about their dead mothers. Where Katara trusted him for such a brief amount of time and then... After Katara was vulnerable around him, after Katara showed this weakness, after Katara allowed Zuko to see this scarred part of her involving her mother, involving her mother's passing, involving her mother's murder, that immediately led to Zuko betraying her and just... F in the entire world, pretty much. This 
alone is fantastic. That Katara now relates these two so closely together. That Katara now relates these two events so closely together. That when she gets mad about one, she gets mad about the other. When she blows up at one, she's blowing up about the other. It's phenomenal. It's fantastic. But then, number two, the reason, the other reason that Zuko kind of figures out, okay, I should help Katara find out more information about her mother, find out more information about her mother's death. Remember, Crossroads of Destiny. Katara talked about the Fire Nation taking her mother away, and Zuko said, and I quote, that's something we have in common. Zuko is coming from the exact same place that Katara is. Now, does the reveal in Day of Black Sun that his mother is actually alive? Yes. Absolutely. Does that change things? Yes. I think I forgot to say the second half of that statement. Does that reveal change things? Yes. 100%. Zuko is no longer in that frame of mind presently. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because the spirit of that connection is the same. Zuko has been in that place. Zuko has been in the emotional mind state of the Fire Nation took my mother away. Even if, A, for a long time he didn't blame the Fire Nation per se, and B, it turns out she's actually alive and just effed off somewhere. Got banished to some remote corner of the world somewhere. But Zuko has felt what Katara is feeling. He has felt the anger, the rage, the sorrow of losing his mother to the Fire Nation. Of his mother being killed by the Fire Nation. He understands what she has gone through. He understands the pain she is feeling. And so not only is is he trying to unlink those two sources of anger. To the benefit of getting Katara to trust him. But he also genuinely wants to alleviate that pain. The way he wishes someone alleviated it for him. He wants to help her gain closure. In a way that Zuko still hasn't been able to. In a way that Zuko still has not been able to accomplish. If I still can't gain closure for this thing that happened, at least I can help Katara gain closure on something similar. That is the thought process of Zuko in this episode, and it's great. And it's amazing. So, of course, Zuko goes to Sokka, who, by the way, uh, setting up, uh, setting up for some stuff for him and Suki. Seeing as I would like this to not be an R-rated podcast, 
Uh, I will not say my theories <laughs> about what this is. But I feel like to any adult watching, it's pretty obvious what they were going to do. <laughs> it's pretty obvious what Zuko interrupted. <laughs> it's pretty obvious to me. <laughs> What Sokka was preparing for. And I love it. <laughs> it's so great. And it's this amazing comedic bit circling around a very dark moment of Sokka reliving the day he lost his mother. And he tells the story and Katara tells more of it later. I'm going to link those two halves just for the purpose of conversation. Sokka talks about the Black Snow, knowing exactly what it means, the Fire Nation raid, and on Sokka's half of the story, it's just Fire Nation was there, and then, like, within a minute, they're gone. Fire Nation is there for two seconds, and then they're out. And I love how he talked about feeling relieved. Until he found out what happened. Until he found out they lost their mother. And then on Katara's side of the story that she tells later on in the episode. You see Katara reliving that pain. Of being so close to her. Almost when it happened. You see a little girl. A frightened little girl. Wanting to protect her mother. Running in to her home. And seeing her mother. Being threatened. By a Fire Nation soldier. And the detail in which she remembers is terrifying. It really, really is. And then, of course, the mother being like, eh, go find your dad. Uh, it's, it's fine. Go find your father. And then Katara going to Okoda saying, Dad, I think Mom's in trouble. And they run back. And they're too late. Katara and Sokka's mother, Hakoda's wife, is dead. And there was nothing Katara could do. She was there, and she was helpless. This is what has driven her. To be the master waterbender that she is now. This is what is driving her now. To get revenge. On her mother's killer. As she eventually sets out to do. And I love the moment where Zuko is just sitting outside Katara's tent all night. And Katara 
comes out and is doing her little I hate you routine. And then Zuko's like, yeah, I know who killed your mother. I know who did it, and we can find them. And then Katara's like, yeah, screw this. Let's just work together and get the guy who killed my mother. Like, she prioritizes her rage in a brilliant way. These two, like, just at this moment, let alone throughout the entire episode, those two intertwined sources of rage start to be pulled apart. Zuko starts to make up for that moment of vulnerability Katara had where he, tr- where she trusted Zuko, and then Zuko just threw that in her face. Zuko is starting to get those intertwined sources of anger pulled apart. Then, of course, Zuko and Katara are preparing for this journey, preparing for this mission. And as soon as Aang and Sokka learn of this, both of them, but mostly Aang, are like, what will you do when you find them? And I love how Aang, he never says, don't do this. In fact, he's actively saying, this is a journey you need to take. This is something you need to do. I get it. I get the anger you're feeling. I get why you need to do this. And it has to be done. I am not saying you shouldn't. I am just saying, please, please don't choose revenge. Revenge will not help you. Revenge will not heal those wounds. You have to confront this man. You have to let your anger out. But do not take revenge. Try to forgive. Try to move on. Try to heal. Even Sokka comes up and is like, yeah, I'm angry about our mother too, but Aang's right. And I I love, I love the moment where Katara just in rage, just in complete disregard for anyone else's emotional trauma but herself at this moment, blinded by rage, just says Sokka, then you didn't love her like I did. And Sokka takes this like a champ, by the way. Sokka's just like, okay, that was uncalled for. Like, this is how angry she is. This is how venomous she's become. With the idea of confronting her mother's killer. And how annoyed she is that people are trying to talk her down from doing what she feels she has to do. Aang tries to tell her revenge isn't the right way. You don't understand. Sokka tries to tell her revenge isn't the right way. You didn't love her like I did. It's heartbreaking. It really, really is. Especially since it is Katara. One of the most hopeful... Hell, the most hopeful, optimistic, kind-hearted character in this show. She is the one brushing up against darkness in this. She is the one becoming 
a vengeful monster. It's horrifying. It really, really is. Of course, eventually, Katara and Zuko just go anyway. Of course, eventually, Katara and Zuko just decide, eh, screw this, and then just go on up and leave. With Aang saying once again, you need to do this, but please don't take revenge. By the way, I love the self-awareness this show has at this point. Where Katara and Zuko are like, we need Appa. And then Aang says, what, is it time for you to go on a field trip with Zuko? And Katara's like, yes. Like, they're self-aware enough to reference the fact that the entire structure of the show at this point is just, everyone goes on field trips with Zuko. (laughs) I love that it's that self-aware at this point. I love that we've reached that point. So then they go on their mission. They go to the communication tower. The Fire Nation communications tower. And they find out that the Southern Raiders are on patrol at Whale Tail Island. And like the stealth break-in of this communications tower is great. It's awesome. There's some really badass moments in here. Uh, I particularly love Katara just bending the ink over. Like, the Fire Nation guard person is just writing a thing, and the ink just spills because Katara is bending it. That is a little touch that I absolutely love. It's great. It's awesome. And then they go to Whaletail Island, and they attack the Southern Raiders. And what you get is the typical good guys versus Fire Nation deal, but on a much more visceral scale than usual. Like, you feel the rage that Katara is pushing out towards these soldiers, these Fire Nation soldiers, in a really profound way. Like, the first thing she does... The first thing she does is just bend this gigantic wave at the Southern Raiders' ship. Just eviscerates their ship with this massive wave. It's amazing. And then they go into the ship. They beat up a bunch of people. Katara's got the little octopus arms deal. That shows up occasionally. And they go in. And they fight. The Southern Raiders. Captain. They take out the leader of the Southern Raiders. And you have this amazing little confrontation scene with him. And. Oh my god. I love. Oh my god. This. This is one of the most heartbreaking scenes in the entire show, quite honestly, when you put it in context of what has come before. So Zuko sort of does the typical interrogation deal at first, but then Katara breaks out 
blood bending. Blood bending. You know, the thing that she actively didn't want to do. You know, the thing that she actively did not want to be. You know, the water bending technique that she was horrified by and actually broke down crying when she found out she could do it? When she used it on Hama? This unspeakably evil, unnatural ability that Katara has previously been terrified of for very good reason. She breaks it out without hesitation on this dude who, at this point in the scene, believes he is the dude that killed her mother. <sighs> oh no, Katara, why? Why would you do this? Uh, uh, it, it makes me so, I feel so horrible every time I watch this scene. Cause it's like, it's so heartbreaking to witness Katara go to such guttural, unnatural, horrifying lengths. Just sort of break her own moral code so so suddenly. All in the name of revenge. And then of course they find out that this isn't the guy. The actual guy retired. And Katara has this look on her face for like two seconds like, Oh no, what did I just do? What did I just used bloodbending on someone who probably did not deserve that treatment at all. And she like turns away for a bit and then the dude's like, You must be looking for Yan Ra. He retired a few years ago. And then Katara just suddenly looks fierce again like, Okay, worth it. Worth it. Oh, I also love the reaction that Zuko has to bloodbending. The first time he sees Katara use it, he kind of has, like, his eyes wide open, like, Oh, what? What am I looking at? For, like, two seconds. And then he's like, okay, I'm just going to go with this. So, then, they track down Yanra. And we have this final confrontation. Yanra, by the way, not living his best life at all. Yan-Ra is just this pathetic old man who's working in his garden and operating on his mother's whim. Really horrible mother, by the way. Who's just the worst to him. Dude goes to the market. Dude comes back on the way back to his home. He gets jumped by... Katara and Zuko. And they pin him to the ground. And Katara goes up to him. This time knowing for sure that this is the man. 
knowing for sure this is the dude I want. This is the dude that killed my mother. Going up to him, pulling her mask down, and saying, like, do you know who I am? And, like, pestering him further and further and further, like, look closer. Think. You know who I am. And then Yon Ra just has this look of horror on his face when he says, I remember now. You're that little water tribe girl. And then he tells his side of the story. After Katara left, Yan Ra started questioning her mother. Saying, we know there's a waterbender left in the Southern Water Tribe. We know there's a waterbender left in this village that we have not captured. Where is this waterbender? Where are they? And then her mother, knowing that Katara is the last waterbender, says, it's me. I'm the last waterbender. Take me as your prisoner. And then Jan Ra, for no reason, says, I'm not taking any prisoners today. And killed her because he thought she was the last waterbender. Katara's mother died protecting her. She lied to protect her. Now Katara knows. Now Katara understands. Now she knows why her mother was taken from her. This does not help her rage, to say the least. And she just does this hugely terrifying display of waterbending around him. And I love how she reveals that she was indeed the last waterbender. Like, she lied to you. She was protecting the last waterbender. Who was it? Me! And then, like, just creates this dome of rainwater around them. And then she comes so close to doing it. She comes so close to taking her revenge. She takes this water, just flings it at him in the form of like a bunch of ice spikes. And then it hovers around him for a bit. This fleet of ice spikes. And then it just recedes back into water. She couldn't do it. She spared him. Katara does not kill this man. She does have some choice words for him, though, all of which I agree with. She basically calls him a sad, pathetic old man. She calls him nothing. And then she says, like, as much as I hate you, I can't do it. And then she walks away. And Zuko, without saying a word, walks away after her. Katara got her closure. She knows why her mother was killed. She confronted the man responsible. She said her piece. She let him know how much of a monster he was. 
but she didn't kill him. As far as she's gone to find this man, she is not a killer. She is not a murderer. She she thought she had the potential to be. She thought she could do it. But it turns out she couldn't. And she makes a decision that I would much rather just leave now. Having said everything in my mind over the past however many years. I would rather leave now than become a murderer. I would rather leave now than kill in my mother's name. And then you get this beautiful, beautiful ending. Where Katara's just sitting on this dock. Aang runs up to her and is like, Hey, Zuko told me what you did or what you didn't do. And he preaches his gospel of forgiveness once again. But then Katara just says, Yeah, but that's the thing. I didn't forgive him. And she actually says before this, before the whole forgiveness deal, like, that she couldn't do it. And she doesn't know if it was that she was too weak or that she was strong enough not to. Which is such a perfect line. Which is such a perfect line. It's great. It's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And then... After Aang preaches his gospel of forgiveness, like I said, Katara says, that's the thing, I'll I'll never forgive him. But then she turns to Zuko and says to him, but I am ready to forgive you. She hugs him and walks away. Zuko has made up for his for how he took advantage of Katara's vulnerability in Ba Sing Se. In a big way. Zuko has finally untangled those sources of anger. And he has finally gotten Katara to trust him. This was not the story of Katara forgiving her mother's murderer. This was, above all else... The story of Katara forgiving Zuko for what she saw as the most unforgivable emotional manipulation imaginable. Zuko made up for him. Zuko made up for it. He came full circle, fixed his final wrong, and he is finally able to be a good person in the eyes of everyone he has grown to care about. This is every bit a character piece for Zuko, as much as it is for Katara. And then you get this final exchange of dialogue between Zuko and Aang. You were right about what Katara needed. Violence was not the answer. It never is. So I have a question for you. What are you going to do when you face my father? 
if this man cannot be met with revenge, how is Aang going to handle Fire Lord Ozai? What is Aang going to do? Is he going to become a murderer like he urged Katara not to? Or is he going to find another way? And Aang could not look more conflicted about this. With just one look, you see this inner conflict start to boil up within him. Of how the hell am I going to handle this fight with Fire Lord Ozai? How the hell am I going to go about taking down Fire Lord Ozai... If I just spent so much energy trying to tell Katara not to kill. Am I going to practice that myself? Or is Ozai too dangerous? Right there. We got our most significant piece of setup. For the Sozin's Comet arc. That we're going to be starting on Wednesday. We got one more episode. And then Sozin's Comet. Holy crap. This episode's so good. It's absolutely brilliant. It is an extraordinary. Extraordinary masterwork of. Character. Of story. Of themes. Of everything. Of everything I love about Avatar. Uh, I would say it is definitely a solid number two. Next to Sosin's Comet, which I am very excited to get into, because, hoo boy! But we got one more episode to get through before we can get to that final four-part arc. Uh, if you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much every other podcatcher app you prefer, feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just a push of a button on the Anchor app. I will play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram, TomTom4468, and support the show. Patreon.com slash Thomas Clark. Pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. Or if that doesn't work for you, you can also support this show via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Tomorrow we will be discussing Avatar The Last Airbender Season 3 Episode 17. Talk to you then.